When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. All right, welcome back to Purple Daily. Matthew Collar, as always, with you. And joining me now, uh, she is social distancing, so joining via FaceTime, Courtney Cronin. What's up, Courtney? I'm just trying to get through the coronavirus pandemic uh, and not go crazy because of boredom, but there's only so many times you can clean your kitchen and your bathroom, Matthew. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I haven't started doing that yet, so I've got plenty of work still to do. I've mostly been focusing on reading as much as I can about a new collective bargaining agreement. So I've got a bunch of things that I want to ask you, Courtney, because there's news items flowing still in the NFL, even though there are no other sports on earth at this moment. Um, but we have lots of stuff to talk about. So let's begin with the collective bargaining agreement. We're going to 17 games, but we don't know when the playoff games are uh, expanding. So we're only going to have one team that gets a buy and then seven teams from each conference get in and, And the money, there's a lot of different things that change, but the one that sticks out to me the most and maybe where we can start because this could apply to the Vikings is that now if you hold out, the team cannot reimburse you or will not reimburse you for the money that you lost due to fines for a holdout, which could potentially apply to Delvin Cook as he is going to you know, embark on the fight for a running back contract here. That's, that's my take on what would impact the Vikings the most right away. Uh, how about you? So I get that part. And like the thing that I'm really confused about there, because I remember – Two weeks ago or something like that for training camp holdouts, um, it said, quote, a player playing under a contract signed as a veteran who fails to report his to his club's preseason training camp on time or reports and leaves the club for more than five days cannot have his fines waived by the team upon return and will not be will not earn an accrued season for that season. So that applies to a contract signed as a veteran. And. The language is just kind of like I'm, I'm trying to figure out what's going on with all that. Um, does that mean that people who are in Dalvin Cook's situation going into their fourth season of their rookie contract, can they hold out? I believe they can. Oh, OK. Um, OK. Like, I, I didn't so realize that. It, it's confusing language because I've seen it written two different ways. Um, the one where it's signed as a veteran, um, to me, that shows you why players like guys who were in Ezekiel Elliott's situation last year, um, Dalvin Cook potentially this year, why they would be willing to do a holdout because you can't afford, if you're in that situation, if it, if it did apply to them, he couldn't afford 
potentially to, to have a long holdout that he wouldn't be able to gain that money back somehow. Um, it's, it's definitely an owner bending towards the ownership uh, type rule that benefits them over Dalvin Cook. But at least from my understanding, players signed uh, the contracts that were signed as a veteran. Yes, he is a veteran right now, but he signed that contract as a rookie. So I think he'll be okay. My thing that like um, kind of stuck out to me, so we know that the salary cap is $198.2 million. Now, the Vikings, along with other teams, expected it to be about $200 million. So that's $2 million in difference, which a lot of teams would be like, eh, whatever. They were, we're already so far under the cap, it doesn't matter. For a team like Minnesota that plays it close year after year after year, that two extra $2 million that they're not going to have, uh, based off where they estimated it to be and where it is now, could be the difference between signing a veteran free agent on a minimum deal. And that's kind of uh, something that I would keep an eye on for a team that, you know, is definitely pressed with a salary cap right now. They created some space on Friday, which we know about, but um, is it enough? Is it enough to be active in free agency? Is it enough to sign your draft class? I mean, last year they had to mortgage Eric Wilson's contract or Eric um, Kendricks' contract at the 11th hour to be able to sign Garrett Bradbury. Like they don't want to be in that situation again, but so, so they have money to sign their draft class right now, but it shows you they're definitely still in a tight situation with their finances, regardless uh, of where things stand right now. And if I read correctly, it seems that the minimum salary is also going to go up right away, which means Mm -hmm. that's going to cut into it ever so slightly. But like you said, that could be a player. And then they're going to even expand the amount of people that you can keep on the practice squad. So uh, none of this really helps the Minnesota Vikings right away. Um, The 17 game season can be implemented anywhere between 2021 and 2023, which sounds like that's going to be used as a bargaining chip for the NFL uh, when it comes to negotiating deals for television over the next couple of years and it's going to be a massive windfall at some point but we don't know exactly when they're going to implement it Um, do you like the fact because this is a huge part of contention from the ex-players and current players that I follow on Twitter fighting with each other all today about this um, but how do you feel about going from 16 to 17 games eventually I like it because I'm looking at it from a media member and fan perspective where it's it's nice to know that, A, we don't have a labor – we have labor peace for the next 11 years. That's great. Uh, and it came by way of the owners getting a 17th game. I think that's reasonable. The owners were always going to come out with a little bit more uh, in their hand from these negotiations, and I think that that is – where we expected this to go. Now, an 18-game season, that's two extra games. Um, That's probably what would have been on the table the next time around had players not passed this. But as we know, it's passed, and what comes with this is a shortened preseason, which, honestly, Matthew, I am all in favor for. Really? I I thought you'd be devastated. Courtney, our draft scout, should be wanting to look at those fourth-quarter performances in the fourth preseason game. Courtney, our draft scout, does not apply to the Nate Metters (laughs) of the world. She is strictly college draft eligible prospect. She is not not number 52 on the roster. We actually need to come up with a different moniker for me when it comes time to training camp cut down day. Um, I don't know if draft scout would apply there, but, you know, we have time. We have all the time in the world, actually, with the coronavirus pandemic. Um, But at this point, 
it's I think it benefits, you know, everybody. There's a reduction in padded practices. There is a reduction in in the length of the preseason. And in exchange, eventually we're going to have that 17th game. The one thing I'm curious about, um, are we going to know pretty soon how those how the scheduling of that's going to go? Like that's is it nine home games one year and then you have nine road games the next like it's going to be intriguing to watch if you are a playoff team or on the cusp of the playoffs and you have that ninth game at home like that could be the difference between making it or not so that's something that I really look forward to watching as this whole thing unfolds and you know I get player health and safety um I understand legacies that you know that people want to keep intact for the one percenters and all that I think this is good for the NFL overall because 60% of the NFL are on these minimum salaries. And that is the blue, that is the the bloodline of the NFL. This deal benefits the majority, not just the guys who are making seven to eight figure salaries. Yeah, that's right. The minimum salaries are going to be going up consistently throughout this thing, which does help the lower end players, the guys who only will spend a couple of years in the league and then they're out. You hear it all the time that the average career in the NFL is less than four years. So those guys are taken care of a little bit more. Uh, I'm conflicted on the 17 game season. I think it waters it down ever so slightly. And it also... I mean, probably does mean more injuries long-term for people. I thought a 16-game season was perfect. Like, the NFL was the only league with the perfect setup in terms of how many playoff teams get in and how many games they play. But this was the NFL's hill to die on, and they were just going to stick it out for as long as it took to get that 17th game because of the amount of cash windfall involved. So there really wasn't a whole lot the players could do to fight back against that 17th game Mm -hmm. short of trying to hold out eventually. And I mean, that that just was never going to play out. These players and owners were not willing to let this go all the way to a strike or a lockout or whatever it would have been. Um, So the 17th game was inevitable. I'm just not a huge fan of it. I'm sure it'll take about one year to get used to it, and then we'll all just go forward with our lives. Um, Anything else on the CBA before I move forward to some Vikings things? Um, I think that the the training camp holdouts, it's still something I'm kind of like making sure that we have the, the, I guess the language correct on it. Um, Player health and safety. I I do believe that they wish they would have fought for a little bit more um, because, you know, you can't, you weren't going to get everything. Um, And I think that that's why it boils down to the vote itself. 1,019 to 959. The vote was separated. Yes. And no, by 60 votes. That to me shows you how contentious this whole thing was. It really plays to, the, the narrative of last week that, you know, why they had to push the vote back, that players weren't educated on it and needed more time to learn about it. And also the fact that 500 plus players didn't vote like this was very close. It's a very divided NFL right now. I wonder once we start to see the impact of this new CBA, CBA will it divide the NFL further or will people eventually concede and say, yeah, it actually wasn't that bad of a deal. Well, I think that uh, I don't know who made this point, but the fact that there's a lot of time and could be even more if OTAs and mini camps and things like that get canceled or pushed back, there's going to be a lot of time till players are together again in locker rooms. If they were together in the locker rooms while this was being negotiated, it probably would have had fistfights breaking out left <laughs> and right because it seems like there was a lot of infighting, which is 
really uh, advantageous for the NFL. If the players can't get on the same page, then you end up pretty much signing whatever's on the table. That's what they did. But uh, it's hard to cry tears for them because they're going to earn a lot more money over the next 10 years than they were in the last CBA. And so, you know, I, I get their issues and I get the 17th game thing, but they will be pretty well rewarded for that. Uh, on the Vikings side, they cut Xavier Rhodes and Linval Joseph, and yet they still have no cap space. Uh, right now, over the cap lists them at $18.9 million, but that's dubious because it does not include the draft class. Like you mentioned, with not being able yeah. to sign Garrett Bradbury, there has to be more dominoes to fall here in terms of them making cap space. Otherwise, they will not be able to field a roster so what is coming up next do you think what like the next domino to fall for the vikings to create enough space to even sign their own players that are free agents well it, it you know we have them um, estimated with espn's roster ma- management system just about two million more than that like just at 20.15 million which again is not a lot i i know that they want to make a splash in free agency where is it going to come if you don't unload? Like if you can't get a Kirk Cousins extension worked out, and, and I'll we can speak to that shortly because I know that it's a pressing topic right now. What are you going to do? Are you potentially looking at releasing Riley Reese? Well, then where do you, what do you do at left tackle? Like I know that that's something that people have brought up as a possibility just because he has a thirteen point two million dollar cap hit in two thousand twenty. Um, I don't know. I mean, this is kind of the the tough one. Can you ask Anthony Barr to restructure? I don't think so. I mean, you have two linebackers who have cap hits north of $10 million for 2020. That's a lot. Um, you know, do, do you trade Harrison Smith? I know that we had that reckless speculation last week Extremely on the show. Extremely reckless, yes. It, very reckless, and I'm not saying that's going to happen, but are you going to trade somebody because you need to unload something off the books for right now? I mean, the Vikings are in a tough spot because $20 million, you know, how much do they need to sign their draft class? I think it's... Do you know the number offhand? Like it's probably like seven, seven or eight. I was gonna somewhere say, in I, that range. I was yeah. going to estimate anywhere in the seven to nine range. So I'd understand that. But then, are you? What are you doing with Anthony Harris? To me, gone. He's he's probably going to go somewhere like Cleveland or somewhere where he can make top dollar for his position. Uh, then what? Trey Wayne's? You going to be able to resign him? Are you going to let Mackenzie Alexander walk? Um, are you going to try to work out a discounted deal to keep Everson Griffin around here? Are you going to let him walk Stephen Weatherly? Like, what are you going to do? Um, and I think that the outlook of this team and the makeup of this roster changes drastically, assuming, you know, everything runs on time here. Um, it, it's going to look weird. Like the, the roster change is going to look weird. So realistically, it's weird to say this, but it almost feels like a trade might be in their best option. Like, I know this is a team that hasn't typically done this right around this time where they've just like unloaded capital on their roster via a trade, but that might be the way to create cap space for the time being. Yeah. And Riley Reef is a trade candidate because he's not a great left tackle, but he still is a left tackle that's a starter. And we saw Russell Okung, who has been very much injured for Los Angeles. He was traded for Trey Turner. So yeah, you can trade somebody who's a starting left tackle in the league because there's there's enough desperate teams out there. And then you could just plan on drafting one at 25 and throw them in at right or left tackle and then hold on to your butts, I guess, um, at, at that position because we know it's really, really difficult for offensive linemen to translate right away. But you might not have any other options. The only players that they could trade and create a really – uh, significant amount of cap space are Riley Reef at 
8.8 million and Harrison Smith also 8.8 million. Harrison Smith uh, is just, I can't see it. I can't see Mike Zimmer allowing that to happen. But then when you look at just how little cap space they have right now of the 53 roster last year, 22 are free agents. I mean, that is, that is, that is crazy. And we've talked about this so much about how the bill eventually came and now they're out of cap space, but it's really resonating now that you've had to cut Xavier Rhodes and cut Linval Joseph. And it's very easy to say, well, yeah, you can replace that guy. And that guy wasn't that great last year And this, but when it's six guys on the defensive side, that becomes very difficult to just snap your fingers and replace everyone. Yeah, and I also think that the writing was on the wall with both of those guys for a while. Now, to leave the door open for Linville to come back, I mean, if he wants to, let's say he finds that he has a better market playing in a 3-4 defense where you're never going to have, like, your own, you're never going to have to win your gap. So, you know, they're they're probably going to be able to pay you a little bit more because they need big bodies to plug holes because that's how those defenses are relied on with athletes with speed behind you. So he actually may make money. Like I just thought about that the other day. He may, he may make a killing uh, going to play in a defense. Like let's say Houston, for example, because they don't know what they're going to do with DJ reader. So maybe he goes and tests the market and finds that it's a better fit somewhere else. And he can make a significant payday because he was making, you know, quite a bit of money to double figure double digit salary uh as a nose tackle in a 4-3 defense where he kind of was on you know at least was on the decline to certain part of his career I mean not saying that he you know wasn't good he was still very very good and the reason Eric Kendricks is so good has a lot to do with who's playing in front of him at nose tackle I'm just gonna say that there have historically been a very good run stopping team they weren't that this year um but let's say they want to bring him back on a very reduced deal. I would leave the door open to do that. And I think that a lot of people anticipated that might be the case, uh, just knowing how high his cap hit was and just knowing the stress that that put on the cap. Now, Xavier Rhodes, this has been the biggest non-secret for a while. <laughs> like, yes, for sure. You know, like Mike Zimmer, when he was saying, well, this is a young man's game, he was hinting at some of these moves back in January, the day after they lost, two days after they lost to San Francisco in the divisional playoffs. So to me, I was just waiting, 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 waiting. And, it, and they did it like they started doing it last week uh, on Friday, clearing that space away so they'd be able to be active. And now you look at it and it's like, well, it, it, it was it did some, but it didn't do enough. Um, to be truly active and make a splash, what more can you possibly do? Right, and just looking at the options for cuts and trades, there's a few players who you could cut and make a couple million dollars, like Pat Elfline, you can make $2 million by cutting him. You might just have to. Um, Not that he played at even a starter level last year, especially against the pass, which is more important than the run blocking, but... Uh, having to cut another starter, even if they struggled a little bit, it still just puts you in peril and it puts you in a spot where you've got to replace that person. So maybe Drew Samia ends up being your starting left guard next year, even though that's a place where you need a big improvement. You just don't have any money to improve it. I think that's the challenge that they're going to face. Now, there is one particular way where they could create a big chunk of cap space, and that is by an extension for Kirk Cousins. Now you reported that uh, the Vikings have been trying to get Kirk Cousins to agree to an extension, but so far they have not had a whole lot of movement on that. Where do we stand with a potential Cousins extension? 
to my knowledge, it's it's pretty much as I reported it on Saturday morning, that report came out. Um, and it's not to say that, like, I think people don't, like, I'll start here. People and the fans out there are saying, he's greedy, he's this, he's that. You don't understand how the business of the NFL works. You don't understand how the business of negotiations in general work. Like, here's the thing. You don't just say, okay, I'll accept whatever you have. Like, here's the, here, here, Kirk, here's what we're offering you. Okay, great. What kind of agent would you be if you automatically agree to whatever the first number is? Like, that's just not how these things work. You bring an offer to the table. You mill it over with the other party. Let them mill it over. They bring a counter. You negotiate. If it doesn't come to be, then you start over. Like, this is not hard business to understand. And I think that, you know, with the situation that they're in right now with Kirk, he certainly has a good bit of leverage on his hand, given what the quarterback market, what we started seeing on Sunday with Ryan Tannehill, uh, the type of deal that he got in Tennessee. Like, I'm not saying all deals are going to be structured that way, but it gives you the belief that if you're going to be signing a quarterback as a free agent, Kirk's not a free agent yet, but if you want to sign a quarterback as a free agent, that salary is going to have a three to begin it. It's probably going to be $30 million and above. Yep. And, if Kirk, and if Kirk is seeing that right now, with one year left on his contract, he could potentially say, I would like to go test the open market. You fight so hard for free agency in this league, and you are basically given every chance not to get there. Look at the franchise tag. Players did not want that in the CBA, yet it's not going anywhere. So when you do have the chance to hit the open market, why would you not test it out? I mean, it's a simple business strategy, which I know that there are some people who just cannot wrap their head around well, he should take a team-friendly discount because it'll help us sign everybody else. Like, think of this logically. Business is business. Remove the emotion from this thing because people are getting way too high-strung about this. Like, think of it from a business standpoint. The Vikings obviously want him to sign an extension. It's why they've been working at it for quite some time now, which I reported. Um, they, they want him to sign this extension because it helps their financial situation. That's fine and dandy, but if you're Kirk Cousins, you say, well, well, why do I need to help you guys? Like, right. you you signed me to the f- three-year, $84 million fully guaranteed deal. If I don't take another deal that's either on par with that or better, why did I fight for that one in the first place? Like, that's what I don't understand. And, um, you know, at this point, it doesn't fe- – I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if something happens. Like, you know, I, I'm going to couch it that way because anything can happen in free agency. But like I reported, and I stand by my, my reporting – it doesn't feel likely that Kirk is going to sign an extension until he sees what guys like Dak Prescott are making. Yep. And if he and if he waits, and if he waits a while, as in next year, maybe he waits to see what Patrick Mahomes gets. He won't certainly get that level, but he might be able to get closer to it. I think there are a lot of quarterbacks out there and a lot of moving parts that you have to understand where Kirk is coming from in this. And this is not coming directly. I mean, I'm not speaking for Kirk Cousins and his mindset. I'm speaking for the rationale behind why this is happening the way it is. I don't see any reason that Kirk Cousins should be penalized for a bad Anthony Barr contract, right? I mean, if if you're him, that's what you're saying is it's not my problem that you guys 
decided to pay anyone and everyone and now have a bunch of dead cap space, by the way, which is a Mm -hmm. thing that the Vikings have really done a good job in the past of avoiding, but they just can't now. So the number on over the cap, they have $8.8 million in dead cap. Well, if you're Kirk, why am I being penalized for that? Why should I take less to make sure that you could sign this guy or that guy when you did it to yourselves by doing a lot of things that didn't make a lot of sense, including signing Bar to a huge contract, not trading Xavier Rhodes last year when there were offers for him. They just weren't very good offers, but the Vikings said, no, no, we got to stick it out. Yeah, Trey Waynes too. So I, I, I can totally see from Kirk's perspective of looking at the first time he hit free agency, he had never won a playoff game and he got paid the highest contract in history. Now he has a playoff win. He has a top six pro football focus grade. I mean, he put together a career high numbers, even if he doesn't have a great year next year because the team drifts back a little bit, he's still going to put up numbers and be good. And someone else is going to offer him 35 to $40 million guaranteed a year because they'll have the cap space to do it when the Vikings don't. So I don't think it's crazy for Kirk to take this pretty far. Now how that impacts the draft becomes pretty interesting, but we have one more thing to discuss while you're here, Courtney, and it's much more important than that because we have lots of time to talk about how Kirk's contract could affect the draft. But this, this is special. Last year in training camp, the Vikings traded a fifth round draft pick for Corey Vedvik, who shanked a couple of preseason kicks and punts and had a punt return for a touchdown, I believe. In the fourth preseason game. Uh Uh-huh. And then he was released, and we thought it was pretty funny um, that they had talked about this guy as maybe he could kick and punt, right? And actually, he could do neither. Uh, And the Baltimore Ravens traded that very fifth-round pick for Calais Campbell, a superstar defensive end, and then immediately signed him to an extension from the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, if you are the ownership of the Vikings, you have to be looking at this and going, really, guys? Really, guys? You panicked and traded for a kicker punter who didn't work out, and then they used it to trade it for a star Pro Bowl player. Wow, really? I mean... I saw that I saw that on Sunday morning and bit my tongue and just kind of smiled. Um, the Corey Vedvik era. We will never forget it in Minnesota. Definitely we'll never not. forget never going to forget training camp and then all the stuff that happened with Kevin McDermott being released and Matt Weil and them running off the training camp field and How about not us watching us. Corey Vedvik? Us all, to, it was the first time we had ever watched what the punters and kickers were doing because we're always watching the offense. And we turned around and went, Oh, this is what they do, huh? Yeah. Breaking down and- interns, catching punts. Uh, can I just say this? And you tell me if you agree that it's not really that big of a deal that they lost the fifth round pick. Spielman will trade back and get another fifth at some point. Yeah. But where it is a big deal is that the entirety of their situation right now comes from panicked moves because of what happened in 2017 and believing that you could win a Super Bowl if you only X, Y, and Z. You just need to do this. You just need to do that. And they signed bad contracts and they spent like crazy and they traded a draft pick for a guy who had never kicked a field goal or punted in the NFL before when they had a proven all-time great kicker already on the roster. And it just, it just screamed the guy had a few bad practices and now we're panicking and that's yeah. kind of why we're here. It's it was too much of a knee jerk reaction. You can chalk it up to well, they thought they were doing what they had to do. 
you signed Dan Bailey because at the time, what was he like the the second or third or fourth most accurate kicker in NFL history? Yep. Coming off injury, no less. Um, but you signed him knowing that he had a good track record. I think if you look back at it in, in hindsight, it's 55th, 2020 here. Um, but you're looking at it being like, oh, maybe it was Matt Weil. Maybe it was the fact that we had two long snappers last year <laughs> yeah. in training camp, which obviously I love that. But like, I'm sure Dan, ba- <laughs> I'm sure Dan Bailey didn't love it. Like, and it all ended up being just fine. They used the guy that they drafted, which means that they probably should have let Kevin McDermott go way back then. So he could have found another job. Um, and for fi- with your holder too, you know, the whole situation, like I know Britton Colquitt did not become available until later on. So maybe you would have had the punter controversy for a while with Matt Weil, et cetera. But it just feels like this could have been mitigated and we never even would have been at this point where we're talking about Calais Campbell got to the Ravens for a fifth round pick by way of the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there are a lot of Vikings fans who are saying, of course that happened. (laughs) I know. Um, I think we predicted like back in like once the fifth round pick, like once, once Corey got cut um, on cut down day, that this would eventually happen, that they would sign like some team, whether it was the Ravens, whether they kept the pick, whether they traded it, they would get a nice haul for it, and uh, that's pretty good. Blaze yep. Campbell's not a joke. That is a very right. good player. We probably predicted that they would draft the next Stephon Diggs, the Ravens would, and get him with a fifth-round pick. So, yeah, just a, a move that, you know, whatever. It's sort of a funny thing that we can – kind of chuckle over like the old kicker punter and we're standing there asking Mike Zimmer you think he could kick and punt and Zimmer's like well I don't know maybe and then it's just like <laughs> really I mean sometimes training camp gets so dumb but the bigger oh, picture that was like stupid level yes, of training yes. camp but the bigger picture you throw it into the bucket of you guys got into win now mode and made some mistakes and that was one of them and now the Ravens have Calais Campbell and are really happy they did that move. So, um, Courtney, great stuff. Uh, we'll talk again tomorrow and we'll just see what the world keeps bringing us for free agency. And we hope it's more and more and more, uh, with different moves and, and so forth. And we'll just go from there because that's all anybody has to do during coronavirus. I am staying in my apartment until further notice. Same here. I mean, just, not going outside except for to come to the studio, and that is about it. So, all right. Well, you stay safe and healthy and such, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. All righty. All right. We'll be right back here on Purple Daily. With winter weather making it harder to stay active, here's a gift idea for the outdoor adventurer in your life, the Allbirds Mizzle Collection. The Allbirds Mizzle is designed for those who won't take snow for an answer, featuring built-in puddle guard technology to keep the winter wonderland where it belongs, not in your shoe. The weather-ready sole offers enhanced traction, so you go on winter runs with confidence. And it's made with premium ZQ Merino wool, a naturally insulating material that keeps your feet warm and sports a low environmental impact. Allbirds displays their carbon footprint right on the shoe, so you can see the difference for yourself. On top of that, they actually offset the carbon footprint to zero, making their missile collection completely carbon neutral. So you can stay warm and dry while trading lighter. This holiday season, get on their nice list when you shop the Allbirds missile collection. Discover your perfect pair at allbirds.com. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com.